This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and use the offer code SUPERTRAIN at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Hello. Hey, John. Hi, Merlin. How are you? Oh, it's very early. Yeah. It's good, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to go early. Are you moving earlier? Moving. Have you had a personal time change? Yeah, I'm moving earlier. I am I am trending earlier. Hmm. I think that early is morally better. Mm-hmm. It's been... That's what people have been telling me my whole life. People who get up early are morally superior to people that sleep late. I've resisted it. That's because we're not up early enough to defend ourselves. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They're writing, they're writing our biographies, and we're sleeping. And then when you wake up, they hide them under the pillow, and they're like, oh, yeah. look who's up, lazy bones. It's typical of the earlies. It's just the kind of thing they do. The earlies do a lot. The earlies are running the world. Well, because the la- chance, there's lots of things that I think earlies tend to do that ladies wouldn't do, or we do in a different annoying way. Like an early, they do stuff like they move things around at the house. Hmm. Right? Have you ever noticed mm-hmm. this? You might you might notice a lot of what earlies get away with with their particular personality type is by virtue of the fact that they're up literally three hours earlier. That's right. They're sometimes up so much earlier that it's like they're living in a different universe, parallel universe. Mm-hmm. I back in the old days when I would stay up routinely all night, and I would be, I never had a walk of shame exactly because I'm too full of pride. <laughs> but you know, I would walk down the walk down the boulevard in the morning uh, wearing last night's clothes and um, I'd see all the earlies like pooling congregating in their little early clatches. Power walking. Oh, they're walking so strong and fast and I would see like, oh, oh you look like different people you have different physiognomies yeah. No, I think, I, I, well, I, I don't know that word very well, but I think you might be right. Now, my question for you is, in order to be getting up even a little earlier, and I guess and I, I'm, this might, like, might partly because I mainly, this time I've spent in, in person with you is when you're on tour, so your whole life kind of has to be later, but it seems like in the past you've naturally, you wouldn't naturally wake up before like 11 in the past. No, uh, not by preference or by nature. Would I wake up before? 11? I'm not shaming you. No, no, and, and and the thing is, I've I've spent my whole life trying to reconcile that with uh, with the world, with a world that feels like eleven o'clock is pretty much like too late to get anything done. Like if you if you get up by eleven, you're not out of the house by twelve. At which point, the stores are already starting to close. <laughs> You know, those, those stores that are <laughs> because like... Because this is Madrid. <laughs> those stores that are open from 7 to noon. And then yeah. they're just like, oh, well, if you needed sewing supplies, the sewing store closes at noon. <laughs> Bob's <laughs> Notions like, is not a night owl operation. Yeah. It's like, what do you expect? You expect us to stay open till 5? And that's the, the, that's the crazy part about being an 11 o'clock wake-up person. is just that, uh, that so many places close at 5. And and that just seems crazy to me. Why every place isn't open till eight? Right. 
Yeah. And, and, and what kind of place opens at eight in the morning? Like, who is doing anything at eight besides dragging their sorry ass somewhere? I was in probably my mid to late 20s before this all really clicked. I mean, it was after I'd had a job and then not had a regular job and been freelancing and sleeping generally 3 a.m. to 11 most days. But, you know, it finally really did click something that should be so obvious, which is the world runs nine to five because the world runs nine to five. That's exactly absolutely you just said a mouthful, sir. And so you're able to do things, but I mean, it's, it's so, it's so bitter that you would have to go and be somewhere during the working hours and then right at the time you get out. And you know, for, for these kids today, they, they don't, they don't know from hours, but it mm. used to be you couldn't buy stuff on Christmas. It mm. used to use time was you couldn't even <laughs> count on, couldn't count on an ATM being there. I mean, there oh. was, there was a lot more stuff where you really had to plan and think ahead. And like, for example, I just noticed yesterday, uh, our local post office, um, which really is like, like something from East Germany in, in the mid seventies. <laughs> they, uh, they reached, they, I, understandably, I think they're cutting hours. So they're going to start closing at 5 p.m. instead of 6 p.m. But right. think about the impact that that has on people who actually need to do anything with that place. Well, absolutely. And this is the whole premise behind daylight savings time, which is yeah. a, which is a crazy solution to a simple problem. You know, daylight savings time, I guess, I guess what they think we're still getting up to plow. Or something, but I mean, here's here's a here's a clue. Just have the stores open later. Just keep the time the same. Just move the opening hours and the closing hours of the shops. That's what's strange. I, I've said this to you probably half a dozen times, but that's what, one thing that's so starkly different from when I was living in Florida. Is is I remember even being in college, mid, mid to late eighties. Uh, gas stations open all night. Uh, it was you know it was more and more you were seeing stuff. It was, still wasn't the point when like I don't think. We had super Walmarts then, but you know, as recently as maybe what, like five or eight years ago, going to Florida, the super Walmart is open all night long. And that's, and it really serves an ironic, sad purpose, which is all the people who are working those crazy jobs mm-hmm. at the crazy hours. They go and they go in there, wheel in there with their three kids at two in the morning because that's when they can go get groceries. It's you know, insane. the first but, time I ever saw a super Walmart, I was so flabbergasted. It was in Florida. And it was one of those uh, Super Walmarts. Well, well, it seemed like it was a um, like uh, to get there, you had to cross a eleven lane boulevard and then go down into a storm ditch. <laughs> Your journey is not over yet, traveler. <laughs> yeah, down into a storm ditch that was again like four lanes wide, and then up the other side, and then across a long misty parking lot, like arc light. Uh, lit parking lot and th- it was the first time i'd ever been to florida and i was hyper vigilant for alligators oh so i'm like i'm trying to get across this boulevard and through this storm <laughs> ditch and over and through the uh, the murkwood forest and everywhere i'm you know every step i take i'm thinking and i'm a fully grown adult like i don't the thing is i don't know anything about alligators you know, you know enough to be scared of them, and that's smart. I, I know enough that alligators you know are. They can around. outrun you, John, in a straight line. Mm-hmm. I did know that. I knew enough of. I knew enough about alligators, but I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to spot an alligator on the land, or in a in a pond. And you know, in Alaska, I know how to not get eaten by various things. <laughs> but in, in Florida, where I had never been, the prospect of like. I, I, you know, I presumed that you didn't just put a bell on your backpack and that would scare the 
alligators away like it does the bears <laughs> an alligator bell an alligator bell you didn't like you didn't walk walk along uh, in the middle of the night i would worry that would draw attention to me well yeah right i mean in alaska you walk along in the middle of the night through the forest and you say everyone's wanting to say ho bear ho bear ho bear and the bears hear you and they pr- they prefer not to have an encounter with you <laughs> but i was not about to start saying ho alligator and this is just to be clear, though. This is early in your first visit to Florida, so this has got to be an overwhelming experience. Experience this, for you. This is just—it's like I'm—I'm I'm twelve hours in country, <laughs> and the—the it's you know it's really it's my first trip to Vietnam. You know the the air is heavy, uh, it's hot, and there's this the, the the concierge at the hotel says, "Oh, you want to go over to the Super Walmart? Open twenty four hours." You know, and I see it in the distance, glowing. It's like the it's like the bridge that they blow up every night and then rebuild. And uh, yeah, but alligators, foremost in my mind, I do not want to walk along and step on an alligator. I do not want to. I do not want an alligator to surprise me from behind a garbage can. And so, so whenever I think of Walmart, even now, I think alligators. I'm that way with New Orleans and Nutrias. Have you ever seen a real live nutria? John, can I be honest with you? I only ever needed to see one nutria in my entire <laughs> life, and that puts me right into alligator country. It was because my friend had been joking about it, say, "Oh, you know, these things they raised them to make uh, beaver coats, and then uh, the beaver coat, uh, fake beaver coat market dropped out. I guess in the late twenties, and they apparently, well, however many, like a thousand, two thousand, even ten thousand, they let them go, and now they breed prodigiously, and they're they are like the face of Satan. They are horrifying creatures." They're like they're rats, but they're the size of beavers. They're rat beavers with with big yellow teeth, and they make a sound like this. <laughs> they're like they're like I don't know, like the Korean water ghosts of uh, Louisiana. Oh. This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by our very good friends over at Squarespace. You know Squarespace. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. Heck, you can even use it to make a podcast. That's what John and I did. We have had this show hosted at Squarespace since the very beginning. It's been a dream to use all along. It's simple enough for a podcaster to use. They have a fantastic drag-and-drop interface, very easy to use, beautiful free templates that you can tweak to suit your needs. All the designs are responsive, so they look great on every device. If you're not even as smart as a podcaster, don't worry, because if you run into problems, they have help. Squarespace has 24 by 7 support with dedicated teams in New York and Dublin. Squarespace plans start at, can you believe this, $8 a month? And that comes with a free domain name if you sign up for a year, which I highly recommend. Every plan also comes with the ability to create your own online store. So if you have things you want to sell, you can do it right from your very own site. So whatever you're doing, whether you're a podcaster, a musician, a writer, a photographer, anything that you want to get online, please go have a look at Squarespace and tell them you heard about it from your friends here at Roderick on the Line. If you go there now, you get a free trial plus 10% off any package you choose by using the special offer code SUPERTRAIN when you check out. It helps us very much if you go and visit the site. It's going to help you out very much if you sign up for a site. John and I want to send our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line. We could not do it without them. I, but I, I'm, the thing is, I'm not going to front here, John. I mean, I, yes, we could have a conversation about what Walmart has done to America. But the first time I walked into a super Walmart, I thought it was like Valhalla. I thought it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. Because at the time, we had... 
um, my girlfriend and I were driving and I think we're moving one of us one place to another and we needed a tarp to cover up like a U-Haul trailer in the back, right. a tarpaulin, right. as they say in, right. uh, in, in, uh, in Florida. And uh, we went in there, and I think we ended up buying tires and sure. frozen peas. I mean, it was I'd never seen a Walmart that had food in it, too. Did you say frozen geese? <laughs> Sorry, I'm over here in the other aisle. You couldn't hear me. Uh, frozen peas, but oh, no. Peas. No, but I mean, I just remember, I think, <laughs> memory serves, we ended up spending about like an hour and a half, maybe two hours in there. Because it was like, oh my God, they have literally everything, and, and it's all like a dollar twenty. Yeah. So I mean I don't know it's I I had a I have to I don't want to make this about the uh, economics and politics but I have to say it, it was a really illuminating experience for me to go back to Florida in the mid two thousands to my mom was uh, recovering from surgery and I had to I spent like ten days at her house something like that. Did but, you uh, when you went back to Florida? Did you make a White Castle slab out of the Indian sacred cow? <laughs> what what that mean? <laughs> We going down to Florida. Is that is that butthole surfers? <laughs> no, but I did see the crepe and the salad. No, uh, so you, I had to tell you though, I, like there was something about it that was it was weirdly illuminating to this flaming liberal. Uh, there was there was my uh, at the time still still living grandmother who was very old and ill and had you know alzheimer's and my mom who's got some kind of movement stuff and i'm just here to tell you man you pull into the walmart you got your little tag everybody's got a hang tag now you know we should talk about that at some point everybody's got a in san francisco everybody's got a got a oh you're talking about a uh a handicapped parking spot i think they just they just give that to you in florida and then if you don't want it you give it back but anyway you pull right up (laughs) next to the door you get you get two rascal scooters, and you can drive rascal scooters like retail rascals. They've got baskets on them. So actually, I wasn't super into grandma driving her rascal, but she did pretty well. She was really into it. I but guess. we had we had this little like a uh, sad airsats wagon train of me with a giant ass cart, and then my mom, and my grandma were wheeling around. <laughs> but it was it was the thing is in San Francisco, you've been to our Safeway. You I park have. if you can find a space. You park on the roof of our Safeway. Mm-hmm. You it, the elevator, which I'm pretty sure pretty positive was probably not working when you were here it would sometimes just stop working while you're in it <laughs> you you got to get carts downstairs or get carts upstairs and then go into the and it's it's amazing though when you're when you've lived in even a pseudo urban area like like where you live or where i live like it's a it is so strange to pull into a walmart that has literally hundreds i don't think they've ever filled that parking lot except maybe like christmas eve right it's the hugest parking lot you, you've got the the worst space at a walmart is like the best space at our mall uh-huh. here and then you, you get two rascals you drive away and like 120 dollars later like you fill the truck it's I, I, all i'm saying is and you could do it at two in the morning and and at times when you're like dealing with things like moves or like transitions you just find yourself going to walmart three times a day it yeah. completely blew me away. And I don't think it's a great thing, but it was really illuminating to me as somebody who likes to look down his nose and talk about all the people who are ruining America with all their retail. Because mm. that was all that was there. When I funny funny thing mm. sorry, I had some coffee. When I when I left for college in nineteen hundred and eighty six, mm. we had gone to Walmart to buy all the pots and pans kind of stuff. Mm. And at that point there were still strip malls everywhere mm-hmm. with retail stores. You had so many drugstores, so many grocery stores. But it's it's I don't want to make this too idiocracy, but it really was kind of like this eight block area where there used to be all these different stores was now this one like ridiculously large building with ample parking. The ultra store. Now, do you get those? You know, you can't build those in the city limits here. No, no, no. We don't have them here either uh, in Seattle. 
uh, because yeah, right. The anti, uh, basically because of because uh, maybe <laughs> because of Meg Ryan's character in You've Got Mail, <laughs> we are prohibited from building superstores in the city. But you know, uh, when we first started doing this podcast, you sent me a giant long, uh, bright blue hy- hyperlink cable. Uh, it's a, it's a, is that what it's called? It's such a hyperlink cable. It's a hyper, a hyperlink cable or whatever it is. It's a, you know, like a, like a direct, a direct in mm. cable for the internets mm-hmm. because the first, I think the first, for our couple, listeners home, John's talking about an ethernet cable, ethernet cable. The first, the first time we tried to do the, the, this uh, television program, <laughs> uh, I, I, I was doing it on, so I uh, said to the gal, <laughs> I was doing, it, I was doing it on the the Wi-Fi, and you were like, "Doesn't sound good." I'm going to send you something, and then this blue cable showed up within hours, and we never looked back because of uh, because of Amazon. Anyway, so for a long time, I was doing the like housekeeping of uh, at the at the end of the show, I would unplug the cable that runs down the stairs to the router if memory serves the fun part of the fun of this was your internet connection was downstairs but you were recording upstairs i record upstairs and the internet connection you had a hundred down- foot a 100 foot ethernet cable. 100 foot ethernet cable because the internet connection is down the stairs across the hall and in the in the other wing and so for a long time i would get done with the program and i would go down i would un- unhook the 100 foot ethernet cable i would plug the wi-fi router back in i would coil up the ethernet cable all the way up the stairs and you know, and put it behind the computer. Well, at, over time, I just got used to the blue cable running through the house, and everybody kind of got used to it. And so, the blue cable just ended up not getting coiled up. The blue cable just runs through the house. <laughs> but the blue cable has to go through one, two, three doorways, and across. It, it goes right across a pretty highly... That sounds like a health class video, John. That sounds like a terrible <laughs> tripping hazard. <laughs> well, what's happened is that doors have gotten shut on the long blue cable many, many times. And now the long blue cable, it looks like it has been like chewed upon by a nutria. <laughs> it, it is completely mangled. And if, it, if, if any real electricity were running through it, it would be a hazard. As it stands, it's just like a, it's, it looks like a hazard. It's just dropping internet bites. <laughs> yeah, it's just dropping bites, right? There are, and I'm sure the NSA comes in and sweeps up all the internet that spills out of it and, and goes and, and catalogs it, as they're doing to me all the time. But I realized as I was uh, looking at it today, oh, right, this thing now is 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 fast approaching uselessness and i went on amazon to get a new one and in the course of being on amazon even for five minutes i filled up a shopping cart with seven hundred dollars worth of stuff wow and i was like well i can't spend seven hundred dollars on all this stuff so i didn't buy any of it and the blue cable is still in the shopping bag and now i feel like this blue cable Belongs in a museum. You should sell it. It, belong, it belongs in the Roderick on. Take museum. it to the merch. Take it to the merch table. <laughs> and so, so I can't part with it because now it has value. Every time the door has closed on it, mm. it's you know every single Roderick on the line has gone through this cable. At least half of it. Wow. 
And so what am <laughs> right, I supposed okay, to do? Yeah, that's what true. am I supposed to do? I'm going to go burn it in the yard. So yeah, now I'm, now I have this, I have this kind of busted ass cable and I don't know if you can even find one at a Walmart. I need to just, I just need to go to, you know what I need, you know what Amazon needs to do? They need to start opening stores. You mean, so you're saying they would have the equivalent of, I guess you would call it a, uh, it'd be retail, but a store. Yeah. Like a retail store, a retail store. So it'd be like an online store, but in a building, like in a big building with a parking lot and people would, I think I'm following you. You're saying that instead of buying it online and having it delivered, they would go there, they would park there, they'd go inside and they'd give something like money to take something in their hands and yeah, walk or, out of it or, with a receipt? Bitcoin. You could use Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Okay. I'm going to write that but down. But the, uh, the, the thing about it, the thing about it is that I, when I'm in, when I'm on the internet, you might've noticed this. Well, this is the, this is the reason that dictionaries, this is the reason I've started buying dictionaries. In addition to the dictionaries I already own, which are several, I've started getting other dictionaries because I realized the main flaw of online dictionaries is that they're so they're so concerned with profiting from the idea of a dictionary by throwing advertisements up all around the word you're trying to look up that they have they have they've misjudged what the best thing about a dictionary is which is that you go to the dictionary to look up the word djinn let's say, or, you know, like, let's say you go look up Dijin, which is... A kind of Dijini? Which is, it's a Dijini. And then you're there and you say, oh, interesting, Dijin, right? And then you go, oh, Djibouti, or whatever. Like, you see the next DJ word, and you say, oh, that's interesting. And then pretty soon you're reading the dictionary. And I defy anyone to tell me a dictionary story that doesn't start and end with some amazing discovery they made uh, by this sort of accidental proximity dictionary findings. And new dictionaries, which are, you know, on the internet, you can look up any word at any time, but there is no, there's no lucky fun to them. Mm-hmm. And it's the same, it's the same, I mean, Wikipedia has the hyperlink, which is, very much like we used to do with encyclopedias where you would yeah like related articles or yeah, inline links and you're just you're you, then pretty soon you're reading the encyclopedia and i mean i think that i think that the time i spent reading the encyclopedia as a child absolutely trumped every school i ever uh, went that's to. worth 3 academic years for me like 3 good academic years that's worth like 4th to 6th grade Absol- absolutely i mean and those are precisely the years from 4th to 6th grade probably 3rd to 6th grade I learned more out of the encyclopedias than out and and completely unguided, unstructured learning. But just like you go to the encyclopedia to look something up and then you're just there for the rest of the afternoon. And so hyperlink kind of allows for that, although you never really feel like you're getting all the way into a talking about the hyperlink cabling protocol, hyperlink cabling protocol. Okay. Now, it's just funny you would say that because HCP. uh, Okay. Okay, I I, uh, I would never have thought of that, and you're exactly right. We just finally, um, uh, it's a Webster's, I think, or a Miriam, we, the, the Red Dictionary. 
that yep. everybody had yep, at yep, one point. Yep, yep, yep. I could have gotten a fancier one, but I wanted the the dictionary that I had, like when I was in middle school. Yeah, you, so hold, I, you can hold it in one hand that dictionary. And you know, we we we, we uh, I realized that it's important that we do that really annoying thing that your family always makes you do, mm-hmm. which is you go look up a word. And my daughter's go not so much of a reader that she can like go and do that on her own. But we do it together, and you circle the word, and that becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. You, if you do it on the internet, you don't get the you don't get the uh, Djibouti. No, you don't. And and oftentimes the word on either the words on either side of the word you looked up are related to the word you looked up. Mm-hmm. And so you're 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 developing a, all this word context that is like crucial to understanding language. It's crucial to understanding concepts that that you look up a word and then you go, well, what is this? This looks like the, a very similar word. And you read about it, and you're like, "Oh, it is a similar word, and here's why," and et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like I feel like the the in a in a way the opposite is true with online stores because when I go to the guitar store, I and I'm looking for something, or let's say I go to the the to the the giant brick and mortar Amazon store, and I'm looking for a a, a hundred foot hyperlink cable. I go in there, it's a store full of things, I'm just looking for the cable, you know, maybe they get me with a point of purchase Reese's peanut butter cup, but for the most part, like, I know that, I know I'm going into a store, it's going to be full of stuff, I'm, I'm just here to get the one jobber. Right. But when I go on Amazon looking for a thing. Mm, that's dangerous country for me. When I go on Amazon.com looking for a thing, and they're 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 genius about this. Like, oh well, you know, if you had if you had one more thing, you'd get free shipping. You don't do Amazon Prime. Well, this you you don't do it enough to make that pay for it. Well, that's the thing. If I did it, then I would be like, oh, I've got Amazon Prime. So this is why just- I don't. This is why we don't have a car anymore. Because I realized that if you buy a car. You're going to have to find ways to use it, and then you just end up spending more money. I would rather <laughs> not have a car and put it into like some Uber and Muni passes and stuff like that. This is, but don't you think? Isn't that kind of the thing? Absolutely. As my dad said when I when I took away his car, and he was like, "I need it to do stuff. I need. Oh, I go to appointments." And I was like, "What appointments do you go to? Name an appointment." And he was like, "I gotta go to the car repair guy." <laughs> I said, and he's dead serious. He has to go to the car. Repair. But wasn't that also kind of a social thing for him? Well, no, no, sure. I'm not saying you're, you're robbing him of his social sure. intercourse, but, but, but hanging out and, and, uh, and shooting the shit with the car guy. Wasn't that kind of a thing he did yeah, as the car absolutely. guy, as the car guy slowly swindled him out of thousands of dollars? Yeah. As the car guy was swindling him out of, you know, and I think this is like, I've told you before, right? That, that, uh, he decided that the only guy he would let work on his airplane lived in Alturas, California. <laughs> and, and he would, he'd say, you know, in the that airplane. sounds like a, like a, like a drinking style decision that you would, you would really pull back on after a week or so. Well, like, yeah. wow, it didn't occur to me that I would have to go to another state to get this plane worked on. Yeah, like it's the type of thing where you're you're let's say you're flying a commercial airplane, and you sit down next to a guy, and the guy turns out to be an airplane mechanic, and you own an airplane, and you're like, I'm going to come see you in Alturas, California. But my dad, in one of his many many cross country flights, you know what he used to do? He would fly along, and he'd see a little airport, he'd see a little airstrip, and he would just put her down, 
Can you do that? Yeah. You, you just call ahead and you say, can I get clearance to land? No, you don't call ahead. You just put her down. That's all, all you got to do. These little un, uncontrolled airports. You just line up and you, you It's more go. like an unmaintained road than an airport, really. You just, it's yeah. a little bit of road and you land your, your, on, the, on the plane road. That's right. You go, there is a, the, you turn the radio to a, to, you know, whatever. If, if you pull out your map, you find the little airport, it, it'll have a little, it's channel, have ni- a channel 19. Yeah, channel 19, right. You, you go there and you say, hey, you know, attention, uncontrolled airspace. I am this airplane. I am coming in. I am Cessna 634 Mike Alpha. I am on final approach, you know. And uh, you look around, and if there's nobody in the air and there's nobody on the airstrip, you just put her down. That's and America. You, that's America right that is, there. That's goddamn America. Holy right. shit, that's cool. I thought you had to have a flight plan and a big bag, and uh, and if you didn't show up somewhere by a certain time, they just shot you out of the air. No, the thing is, the thing about a flight plan, I was explaining this to somebody the other day, you can change your flight plan over the radio. Mm-hmm. You can just file a new It's like a, a topic sentence. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. You just file a new flight plan. So we would do this all the time, and sometimes, <clears throat> one time when I was about ten years old, we landed on a on an airstrip that had been clearly like carved out of the forest up in Yukon territories. <clears throat> it was on the Ala- I was in Alaska, so but it was up way north. We landed on a, a a little dirt airstrip out in the middle of nowhere. Dad was just like, "Look at that! Somebody carved an airstrip out of the." forest and he turns around and <laughs> lines it up and puts it down and we are we're you know taxiing down this little dirt runway and a guy comes out of the forest holding a shotgun <laughs> and, <laughs> and they come the revenueers <laughs> and I, I was thrilled i was hoping you know i was i was expecting dad to do what he always did which is turn the engine off open the door climb out and I, we were going to meet this very interesting man who was holding a gun standing at the edge of the woods and Dad did a thing he hardly ever did, which was he went, whoa, and he <laughs> threw the throttle forward and spun the plane around in a, like, Dukes of Hazard sort of, like, dirt flying, kicking up uh, sticks, and headed down the runway at a clip. And I was like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And he was like, <laughs> he didn't say anything until we were at 2,000 feet. And then he was like, nope, that's not an airstrip that... That man was explaining to us non-verbally that that was not a visit that he was interested in. There are some un- unwritten rules in aviation. One of them is if a guy is running onto the field with a shotgun. Oh, he was calm as could be. This guy just stepped out of the dark forest. Yeah, that's that's creepy. Yeah, with a gun and was just you know, and, and a gun like cradled, not pointed. At Can I just say though, man, that is <clears throat> that is so freaking exciting. Like I remember when I very first started, like yeah, around college age, being old enough to just drive around and go places and go, ah, let's drive to this place we don't even know about, and that was exciting. But I can't imagine doing that in a plane. I mean, that must be so exciting. Just go, oh, so there's an area where we could put the plane. Let's go there. Yeah, well, and and in Alaska, of course, Dad uh, put put slightly bigger tires on the plane, and he landed on the side of a river. You know, they uh, the, those guys up there. If, they, if there's a stretch of mud, like riverbank that seems solid, they'll just put the plane right down. And Dad would do it too. Just put them. Just put it right down. Um, if uh, <clears throat> putting it down isn't the challenge, the challenge, of course, is getting it back up off the riverbank. <laughs> sure. And, that makes and so, sense. You, so you got you got to have a good sense. because gravity, right? <laughs> because gravity and because a lot of things. Yeah. But he would. So he would put himself down on these airstrips, and he was flying along. In that corner of Northern California and Southern, Southeastern Oregon and Nevada, that corner that's just like, what 
how is this even? I mean, it should much more properly just be an unbordered, ungoverned area because there's nothing there. Why would why would you even pay a surveyor? Could be like a penal colony or something. Yeah, absolutely. You could you could you could you could put a new state in there and <laughs> and call it Winnemucca and no one would no one would know or care. Prisonton. Prisonton. <laughs> but so he landed on this airstrip at some point, just like, hey, look at that. There's an airport. And taxied up to a hangar, and I'd, I've been with him. I wasn't there the first time he went to El Torres, but I've been with him many, many times when he's done this. And what happens is, airport looks abandoned. You're you're taxiing down the runway. You're you know you kind of pull off to the side. You're just puttering along. There are a couple of old World War II era hangars, Quonset huts, all look completely abandoned. You just put 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 you know as you're. You're, you're slowly driving by these little, these little abandoned structures, and then invariably a door bangs open in a building made out of corrugated metal, and an old man comes out wiping is, is his he wearing, hands. Is he wearing a cap? <laughs> he comes out. Sometimes he's literally wearing overalls. <laughs> he comes out. He's wiping his oily Sparky. hands on a rag, and Dad goes, "Hey!" Points the plane at the guy, and. You know, cuts the cuts the motor, and we wheel over, and the guy comes over, and he is absolutely invariably one of the most laconic men you'll ever meet. Dad gets out, hey, how's it going? The guy goes, yeah, and that's it, you know. And then Dad's <laughs> holding up both ends of the conversation, and every once in a while, the guy goes, merp, and it turns out Dad fought in World War II, and this guy fought in World War II. And you and, go, you go try to find an encyclopedia. <laughs> and there's, and there's, you know, there's also it's. There was always, it always turned out that Dad was an officer in the war. Dad was an officer in the Navy, and this guy was a was a uh, petty officer in the Navy. So there develops right away some ancient officer enlisted man dynamic between them that only they understand and only they are comfortable with. And then I, you know, so then I'm walking around some sunblasted airstrip, kicking rocks, while Dad and this guy go into a hangar and sit and talk about God only knows what. Dad buys a baseball hat from him <laughs> that says Alturas Chevron, uh, you know, in the heart at, of Princeton. <laughs> yeah, Av Gas and Pet Store, Av Gas and Feed. And then we get back in the plane and we fly away. Well, anyway, one of these times he meets this guy who he decides is his mechanic. This is the only guy that he's going to let work on his plane. And he lives in Alaska, which is, you know, which requires that once a year he go on um, a four-day walkabout each direction in his airplane. Me. And, uh, and I ended, I've ended up spending more time in Alturas. So he really did it. He went through with it. Oh, he was he went for, he based went, on this one like random chance thing. Yeah, he went down there for fifteen years. That would be like that would be like driving somewhere and stopping at a Stuckey's and deciding that that was going to be your physician or something. That's so yeah. strange. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 absolutely bizarre. And and you know, and Alturas is like a is one of those old west towns that uh, at least the last time I was there, still no one had discovered and turned into a biking mountain biking town it was still it was still just like 
I mean, the type of place that you pay for your shot with a silver dollar. <laughs> and the, the only people, and there are still like, there's still, there's still problems between the ranchers and the, and whatever the other demographic is. It's like a musical waiting to happen. The ranchers and the meth dealers are, are like trying to decide <laughs> who owns the dairy. The Creek. ranchers and the meth dealers should be friends. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that's a, that's incredible, and the, but but boy, your your dad has a real sense of loyalty, huh? He, he was, was a very loyal guy. He was loyal to loyal, you know, and I think part of it was uh, like like his car mechanic. This was a world that he didn't understand. He did not know how to fix his own airplane engine, and he didn't know how to fix his own car, and so those things became uh, magical realms. And he figured out that he didn't need to know how to fix those things. He just needed to find one guy that he trusted. And then once he decided that he trusted the guy, even if, even if all empirical evidence indicated that this guy was not trustworthy and that he was ripping him off and that he was a jerk and a bastard, my dad would privilege their, their friendship from that point on over, you know, over the fact, I mean, his, his last car mechanic was, billing him $400 a month for work he was doing on an $800 car. It's a, it's a pass-through fee. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, oh, Dave, I think you need a new, uh, you need a new uh, water filter. <laughs> it's like, hmm, a car doesn't have a water filter, Dad. It's, I think my family had a lot in common there. I, there was always a go-to person, especially – now I think of my grandfather who was roughly uh, – probably a little younger. My grandfather was born in, I think, 1903. Um, and when was, your, when was your dad – Oh, 1921. Your granddad was a lot older. Well, yeah, this is, well, this is when I was a kid. But, you know, he was very oh, much of that. Like, you know, he was a Freemason. He was a Shriner. And oh. everything was a secret deal. Like, he made it look like he would do these, like, strange gestures sometimes to security people that, I, that I'm sure were entirely constructed to make me think that he was part of a cabal that didn't actually exist. <laughs> like, every time, every time we drive somewhere, he'd do this little kind of, like, this little, like, the sting thing with his finger on his nose, mm. kind of brush toward them. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that's why we got in. I can't tell you why. <laughs> but uh, but no, it was the same way. And I think really everybody in my family was like that, where you're like, oh, this is where we always get our tires. And eventually I was like, oh, mom, like th- these tires are really expensive. And it takes them three or four days and they don't answer the phone. It's like, yeah, well, we've gone to them for years. Yeah. Isn't that, is that a thing? I think that might be an old people thing. I think. Which well, increasingly will become a me thing. I think it's a thing, and I think that I think that you get to like we have now in Seattle here. Uh, we have a, an auto mechanic. I've talked to you about him before. He is, um, he is from Palestine, <laughs> right? And he is an Arab, but he's an evangelical Christian, right? And he gives you some notes occasionally, yeah, right? Well, and I think maybe he's a messianic Christian, uh, and. And he is a very nice guy. He drives a, um, what is the car? The Dodge, um, not Rampage. What is the, Dodge made a, made the super hot rod with the V10 motor. It's a Dodge The big, the big pickup truck? It's a, no, it's a, it's a car. It's like oh. the Cobra Verde or, uh, what is it called? The Dodge, <laughs> um, the Dodge Insanity car. It looks. It actually looks like a, like a. Oh, it's the Viper. It looks like a snake, right? Oh. The Dodge Viper. Have you seen one of these? Come look it up. 
It looked, but it looks like the head of a snake. And I was, I, I always thought that it was just a, just a clown car, like a joke car that, that the hot rod division. 8.4 liters. Yeah. The hot rod. It's a hundred thousand dollars. Is that possible? <laughs> the hot rod division of Dodge was given free reign at some point by somebody, by Lee Iacocca, to Holy crap. build like the supercar. And rather than build like an attractive looking, uh, good handling sports car, they built, they, they took a, a, like a truck motor from a dump truck or a, or a airplane motor <laughs> and put it in the front of, a car that only an eleven-year-old could have designed. <laughs> it's got a real idiocracy feel to it. <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, that is you can't be serious, right? I mean, that is a car that uh, that is a car that only an eleven-year-old would buy. Or who a man... drives an eight-liter car? Well, so this is the thing. So I always thought these cars were were just jokes for for somebody for whom a Corvette is too subtle for somebody. You know that feels like a PT cruiser is too um, is like too too conservative. It's in like its the car version. John, it's like design. the car version of a trap street. It's like something you would put on the menu just to see if some douchebag would buy it. Right. That's exactly right. And they and they sell them. They sell them. And and so so I thought so I I just assu- I just assumed that it was it was the hot rod pt cruiser i mean the the only type of people that would buy this are people that have no eyes (laughs) and yet the other day i was looking up the fastest laps around the nuremberg ring or the nuremberg ringen gergen scheissen the uh uh i can i don't i don't know how to pronounce it but it's uh the nuremberg gingen bergen gergen Ging ringing. It's not getting better. <laughs> uh, the Nurburgring. Nurburgring. <laughs> I assume that's a stretch of road. It is. in So in Germany, they built like this uh, test track. The Nurburgring. <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's in Europe, it's the thing where if you're testing out a car... Nürburgring. That's hard to say. Nürburgring. Hmm. If you're testing out a car, you go run it around the Nürburgring. <laughs> and, and that's your, that's your standard of okay. like, how fast do you make it around this thing? And it's a, and it's a, and everybody wants to, everybody in the sports car world wants to go around at least once around this Nürburgring. And I think if you... Wow, turn seven is a little bit hairpin. Turn seven's a little freaky, right? Whoa. It's actually less than a hairpin. Less than a hairpin. Yeah. No, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, you go, you go almost a circle to go around. Yeah, 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 right. Oh, and I think if you, if you go on, if you, if you do those, uh, uh, car racing video games where you can, you can pick your track... And you can do Monza, and you can do turn all number these... one. The Yokohama S here is is really dangerous looking. Well, and people people get uh, people blow up on this Nurburgring, like they crash and bad things happen. Anyway, I was I, I was as you do looking up the fastest laps in history of the Nurburgring, and it appears that the fastest lap ever of the Nurburgring is in a Dodge Viper. Which I was just like, 
what are you talking about? Faster than any Porsche or Ferrari or like, is it a Dodge Viper? That just seems crazy. That seems like, it seems like a, the classic, you know, the story of sports cars is that Americans throw horsepower. Yeah, I mean, it's not a drag a race. You've got some crazy handling here. Yeah, it has to really, really make it around this this super spinny track. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but um, no, I'm, I'm, you know what? I do know that you have never done this. I haven't even I, heard it, and I know I haven't done it. But I am going to tell you to do something uh, today, and it is 10 minutes, or 10 or 15 minutes of your life that you, uh, that once you've experienced it, you will never look at life the same way. Are we going to need to get a zip car? Uh, no, I think it's all going to happen on the internet. Okay. You are going to Google rough. R-U-F, Rough Yellow Bird, <laughs> Nürburgring. R-U-F, Rough Yellow Bird, Nürburgring. Okay. And it is a video of a guy driving a super hopped up Porsche 911 barefoot around the Nürburgring. And it is phenomenal. You put your headphones on. You you you, you put you get in full screen mode. It's a bit, it's bad resolution because it's, it's a VHS. Somebody put a VHS camera in the back of this car, but it is astonishing. It's it's better than it's really better than going on a roller coaster. Watching this guy drive this one car around this Nurburgring. Your Palestinian mechanic has a Viper. Okay, right. So he has a Viper. And he was discovered by my sister or by my mom. Some, some, someone found him out in the sticks and he was recommended through somebody, through so-and-so. And he has become this character in our lives, the trusted mechanic. And I have called him a few times and said, I'm thinking about getting this, this car. I'm thinking about getting car X. And he says, he's like, can I stop you right there? And I go, yeah. He says, would you like my advice? I go, yeah. He's like, don't ever get that car. It's like, oh, you are the trusted mechanic now. Like, you are the guy that I'm putting, I'm just putting it all in your hands. Like, if you tell me that I need a new water filter, if you tell me that I need, uh, you know, whatever, if I, if I need new hoses, if I need, uh, if I need to, to buy a hundred uh, pound bag of grass seed, <laughs> Whatever it is that you say, I am gonna just go with it because you are the you're the wizard and you live inside this world that. that Assuming specifies. obviously that he must have he must have like the greatest car available, right? Or that he's he's seen so much about what can go wrong, so what can go well and poorly about cars that he he's obviously a sage of these things. Well, yeah, but I but I personally feel like the fact that he drives a Viper. It's very confusing to me. It's like something out of Seinfeld, John, where you've been trusting somebody for years, you know, talking about like, you know, uh, what kind of real estate to buy. And then then you find out that he's like loses his shirt every couple months on some (laughs) terrible deal. (laughs) But he swears by it. And as I've explained before, he's not a guy that you uh, that you're going to enter into a conversation like that uh, unless you're prepared to have an hour long lecture about why the Dodge Viper is the greatest car ever made. But independently, I have I've discovered this the, this confirmation, this Nurburgring confirmation, at least that it is. It's done that. It did that. 
Huh. Sorry, there's so many letters to write down. Nurburgring. Rough. Rough. Rough Yellowbird Nurburgring. Rough Yellowbird Nurburgring. Mm. Yerberg. Gerg. Mm. Nerf. Yellowberg. Yep. Yellowberg Nurberg. This week it sounds like a stroke test this week. <laughs> Expertise, man, that's complicated. It's hard it's to know who taste. to trust. Trust your mechanic. Well, yeah, and you know, for a long time, I, you were my computer guy. Yeah, I remember if that. I, had any, I told you to buy that hyperlink cable. Yeah, if I had any computer problems, I would call you, and then you know, and then you would spin a web of uh, of lies. You would spin a story. Yeah, and pretty soon I would be down at the Mac store buying Apple TV. Are you just reading things off a card at this point? <laughs> now, 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 here's the question. You're going to be in this house, you know, God willing, for, for, for several years. Have you thought about bringing somebody in to do some work and get you some Ethernet upstairs so you don't need the blue hyperlink cable? I'm going to guess you haven't. No, I have. I have, but there are a few, there are a few mistakes that I've made in life. Hmm. Get a fresh card. When I when I bought this house, there was cable TV in every single room. And when you went out, when you went outside and you looked at the outside of the house, there was one of those cable uh, junction boxes, and it looked like Doc Ock. <laughs> Somebody had, loved TV there. He had his normal two human hands, and then he had six octopus hands, and then there were like. Uh, there were like 10 other hands. Somebody loved TV. I think it was probably at one point it was used. This house was used as a place where a lot of people lived. Mm. And so everybody had TV in their room. And I said to the guy, and I, so I said to the cable guy, is, is a junction box like this, does it divide the signal so that each box has one sixth of the available bandwidth? Mm-hmm. Or does everybody get equal power? And he was like, the former. Yep, I discovered that. And so I said, well, I want the most powerful bandwidth. So I want you to take all these other... Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. You want the one big pipe. I want a big pipe. I don't want a bunch of little pipes. And so I want you to take all these other uh, cables off... And just give me one solid pow right into the room. We had we had the Doc Ock uh, Legacy Spiderweb of, of of that at one point. In the Comcast, our, our, there was not enough signal, enough digital signal to keep our internet connection up because yeah. there was so much stuff and so much transit and junctions and little joiner things and all of that. And somebody came in and just just tore all of the unnecessary stuff out and it fixed it. You know, yeah, like it was leaking minutes. ones and zeros all over the yard. Are you kidding me? I got I got to get down there and sweep it out. So, so I say to this guy, like, uh, like kill it. And so what he does is he takes all the cables off of the junction box and rewires it. So it just, it's a cable coming in and it goes right in the house, right where the cable arrives, which is like the middle of the living room. Well, two problems. One, he didn't then spend the afternoon taking all the cabling down off the outside of the house. So... It wasn't until he left that I realized, oh, wait, all that cabling is still... I mean, this house is basically held together by... by uh, coaxial cable. cable. Coaxial cable stapled to the outside. And that, if I think about that, that drives me crazy. That bothers me. 
I want that cleaned up. I want some, it's somebody's responsibility to come clean that up. It's so trashy. And in our case, we've, our cable box is like hanging off the wall and nobody wants to take any responsibility for it. It basically, it's one of those like, oh, the tenants are going to have to be the ones who go to pay to fix this. That's the right. landlord's not going to come out and like fix a cable box and you know Comcast ain't going to do it. Well, yeah. And the Comcast guy, if there was ever an opportunity to get him to make this change, it was that first time, that first visit he came out, I could have said, hey, I just bought this house. This isn't my responsibility. Get all this cable off of here. But even then, he would have said, nah, 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 man, nah. But now, it's grandfathered in. As far as Comcast is concerned, I put up all that cable. Mm. But anyway, so that was the first mistake, was that I didn't think, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to have a computer terminal in the living room. And so now I have either given myself a router behind a couch that I constantly have to move the couch out from the wall to reset the router. Or I have, you know, or I have to run a blue cable over the, over hill, over the hills and dells up to where I want the, you know, where I want the internet to be. I, I think I'm not an expert on these things, John, but I think you're not facing too much here. Mm. I mm. think I, no, because all, all you got to do the thing is somebody's just got to string that up through the wall. Just the actual you just got to get an Ethernet drop upstairs and you'll be good. I, Ethernet I, I, drop. Uh, and, and, sorry, an eth- you know Ethernet what? drop. Let's start. Let's start over. <laughs> you know those Ber- are some of my Ber- <laughs> some of my favorite Green. old-fashioned candies, the Ethernet drops. <laughs> and old people all, love those. They're also a great uh, retro jazz band. Love the <laughs> Ethernet drops. I like when you wake up early. <laughs> so I want. So you're right. Uh, just recently, I have gone through the looking glass Ooh. of feeling like you know I, when I bought my house, the market immediately crashed, and I actually remember being at the YMCA with my dad, and I was there with the with the whole group of of elder statesmen who ended up in their declining years going to water aerobics. <laughs> you know, all these guys that once sat in the seat of power. Guys that had sh- uh, shook Henry Kissinger's hand, and now they're doing water aerobics to Paula Abdul <laughs> at the Tacoma YMCA. And I had just bought my first house. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Come on now, tell me. You know, she started someone very slowly moving in water. <laughs> she started out as a dancer. She was a licorice girl, right? That's right. Licorice person. Say, licorice did say, person. Did you say licorice person? No. <laughs> That's a little ping pong. Ding. No, she was a licorice person. <clears throat> uh, yeah, and she was on that television show hmm? uh, with Wayne Marnes. Oh, with that guy, with the guy from TV. Yeah, Way- Waymond Marnes. <laughs> anyway, living color. Yeah, she was on living oh, color. Oh, that's right. That's right. Cool was one of the uh, fly girls. She was a fly girl. That's correct. Fly girl, a fly girl, a fly girl, a fly girl. Uh, I'm sorry, you uh, you were supposed to join in there. Oh, sorry, fly girl. <laughs> there you go. So anyway, uh, your dad was guys, doing water aerobics. Uh, yeah, and one of the old men. I was like, I was there, and I was like, uh, I just bought my first house. And one of these old sons of bitches says, oh, good job at the top of the market. (laughs) Shut up, old man. And I was like, oh, you've seen some ups and downs in your day. Is that right? Or is that what you're telling me? You've seen the cycle. You can, you can peer through, peer through the, the 
cheesecloth that the rest of us are looking through, and you see the cycle of time. Hakuna Matata. Asshole. But his words rang in my head as the market crashed, and my house was not worth what I'd paid for. And I sat here for several years going like, oh, this is, this, was the, this is the final straw. I'm never participating in Wall Street again. I have never, ever, ever, I am not joining this dumbass American economy that is such a blatant lie that has time after time duped me and my family personally and all of us collectively into believing that there is any that it is anything other than a shell that game. That there's any order, that there's any kind of law, that there's any kind of sense to it that isn't just just a bunch of made up bullshit. It's just a giant ripoff. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's just a giant. It's just like two people at a roulette table where they have a button under the counter, and they're like, "Come play this amazing big, game of one big roulette button." Yeah. So for a long time, I you know I loved my house, but I had this I had this tension, this psychic tension about it, like that it that somehow I had been rooked, and that really the goal was to get up above water again and then get out of everything and go live on a sailboat, go live in a shipping container. But now that the economy has recovered and I'm back, I'm back in the black here. I realize, oh, I still like my house and. Now my mortgage payment is less than any rent would be in this crazy city. Nice. In these crazy times. And so, yeah, now I'm looking at, at being here for a while. And I'm feeling like maybe I should... Get some drops. Maybe I should get some Ethernet drops. Maybe I should uh, rehab that uh, that wing of the house that I've been meaning to do. Maybe I should build a yoga studio in the backyard. This could be the time to put up those shelves, you know? Put up some shelves. Put up some right. shelves, like some, some built-ins. Get, get, get some built-ins. Maybe uh, maybe have the fireplace taken out and replaced with a Franklin stove. Mm, that's cozy. Maybe dig out the basement and build a media room. What about tunnels? Speaking of the Vietnamese, have you, have you thought about having tunnels or... You know what? You can't say. You can't say. Never mind. Never mind. Because that's what I—that's what I want. If I ever achieved anything like success, I'll, my single thing in a house is I would want to have, like Batman mm-hmm. cabinets. You know, th- well, things that's that move the thing. I, I have some outbuildings. Yeah, and uh, and of course I would want a tunnel network. Oh sure, connecting all the outbuildings. Well, something gets you out past the pool in case you have to get away. Kind of like Professor X, you know, at the mansion. You, you need you need a way to get out off of the property. Right. That's the thing. Is, I mean, no matter how good your defense is, you still need a way to, to get out of your own property. Otherwise, you're just locked in. It's just like living in Prisonton. Well, this is one of the things that infuriated me about the movie Skyfall. Like, Skyfall, uh, James Bond goes out to his, uh, his childhood mansion in northern Scotland. Uh, the caretaker is still there. Oh, right. The little monk hole. It's this beautiful... Uh, yeah, What's that called? What is it called? Yeah, monk hole. Oh, it was awesome. God, goes, I, 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 that was such a boner moment for me. I would yeah. love to have a monk hole. Goes behind the fireplace, down into a secret passage, and then somehow down in the basement, it's like full of barrels of gunpowder, and like it's not just a monk hole, it's a true like monk. We've been stocking up on plot devices for decades. <laughs> exactly. It's like, wow, since the Revolutionary War, you guys have been... You've been- <laughs> Putting cannonballs down here? <laughs> what's what's in that Deus Ex Machina box? Open it to find out. <laughs> but then in the film, multiple times, people follow this monk hole, which is which which you, you you see these you see in the shots like it still has 
brick or stone walls. It is still a passage that a man can walk in upright. And then somehow they somehow there's 200 yards that they travel under the under the grass which we never see do they have to get down on their hands and knees it's totally unmaintained unlit, presumably unlit unless it has spooky candles yeah do they do they have, do they run the entire way and then at the very then we see them reappear in the yard but we never see the opening. We always see it from over the top. I don't. I don't remember this being that flimsy. I'm going to watch it and probably get angry. That's yeah, very because, frustrating. Because it's it, because it's it's uh, there's always some sort of chasing element where it's like you're what you're really interested in is are they going to make it over to the chapel or whatever? It seems like it should be almost like the Great Escape, where it should be a little bit perilous, super low. Like you know, the thing is that's not going to be. Maybe, who knows? Maybe that was a very. Uh, expensive undertaking at the time, but it's not going to be maintained. It's going to be dangerous. That should be a huge peril getting out of there. That's right. And is it just open to the world? Then it. Then the entire thing is going to be filled with bears. <laughs> you, you know, like what? What is there a door? And, and, and there's no in the movie. No one ever opens a door. They just they run out. This monk hole, and then they appear in the garden. Don't you think it's probably like a Hogan's Hero door, or maybe like a doghouse? Well, I would like to see that. Yeah, I would like it's not to on see the screen. That. It's not on the screen. I would like to see that technology revealed because I am interested in building a monk hole passageway to the to the fen, just in case I ever have to escape from a very poorly explained Barcelona bad guy who was living in on an island in China. With computers taking over the world, but really he wants revenge. That's against... a good movie. It's not a good movie. It's a, good it's a movie. terrible movie. It's a really good movie. I hadn't it's, thought about the bears. It's awful that movie. I agree. Really good. <laughs> and so, so this the problem. The problem of that monk hole is two hundred yards of it plus a door go unexplained. John, I can't get away from the upkeep issues. If yes. you think about how wet it's got to be there, it's, it's Scotland, right? It's, it's a Scotland. very wet place. It's loamy. It's moaty. It's Scottish. So this and- thing didn't cave in. And, and even if you assume that the caretaker guy is also maintaining the monk hole. I would not count on that. I wouldn't count on it either. But let's say he's down there stockpiling muskets and sabers and, and, uh, and I think it's much more likely to be recently disappeared children down there. Right. Something terrible. What, who is, who's stashing what in the monk Stuff hole? Stuff in the monk hole. But then, but then this whole business of like, and then you just pop up in the garden, like a you pop up in the garden like the groundhog in Caddyshack. No, thank you. That thing would be full of bears. <laughs> <laughs>